Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackefman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored, joined here by my co-host, Amber Hunter. Hi, Bruce. Happy to have our new guest today. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, I'm a little excited, a little scared. Um, It's going to be truly an uncensored podcast today. So for all our listeners out there, we're going to be having the, uh, I guess you could say viral sensation of the ED world, uh, Mr. Will Novak from the city of Mesa. He went viral, I think it was last year or maybe the year before now, uh, when he was accidentally emailed uh, by a, a bachelor group to attend a bachelor. He had the same name as one of the guests, and he replied with his uh, typical witty commentary. And they wrote back saying, you're amazing, you have to attend. So he created a GoFundMe uh, to get some money to go to this trip, and it went completely viral. I think he was on Good Morning America, um, all the major networks talked about the story. And I think it's probably the most press we've gotten in the economic development world. Uh, this was before the Amazon HQ2 debacle. So <laughs> it definitely went viral. And he's very thankfully uh, agreeing to chat with us today. And we're not just going to be talking about that one story. But really, we want to kind of explore what that sort of uh, online fame or his social media presence that he had, how has that played into his economic development role? Has it helped, you know, with the brand recognition of the city of Mesa? Has it done harm or good? Um, You know, we really want to kind of look into that and maybe kind of analyze how social media will begin to play a bigger role in economic development down the line as we're seeing, you know, more millennials start to take leadership roles. So there's two folds. It's definitely going to be entertaining, but there's also some good stories to hear about, uh, I think, and how it ties into that. So I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> How would your other half, Blair, react if you went to a random bachelor party of a young lady you didn't even know? Well, I think my fiance would have no issues and just laugh it off. <laughs> it's pretty much why I'm agreeing to marry him at this point. Um, but, you know, we are, we're to be wed soon. So I think we're still in that phase where we say yes to each other. But uh, what would your wife of a few years say if you turned that question on her? Yeah, I don't think she'd be she'd go for that. I have a hard enough time getting uh, the okay to go to a bachelor party of a guy I've known for years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a you have a, you have a toddler at home, so I guess I can sympathize. I understand. Yeah, I just don't see uh, me getting the hall pass for uh, Angela's bachelor party. Would have worked out very well. Uh, whatever happened to your wedding? I know you were supposed to get married in April. I guess uh, COVID-19 <laughs> put a little damper on your plans. Yeah, COVID-19 gave me some time to reflect if this truly was now joking. <laughs> uh, I had to unfortunately postpone. But, you know, we're we're looking at June uh, and we're just going to do uh, just a, a small little ceremony, uh, you know, because really all that matters to us is that is that we get married. The party is is, you know, secondary to the whole thing. And hopefully in 2021, we can just throw, you know, a big party. Um, and then maybe I can even have a bachelorette party in 2021, because I think I was almost looking more forward to that than the actual wedding, if I'm going to be very honest. <laughs> well, I know in 2021, there's going to be a great party to be had. Exactly, exactly. And like I said, the party, you know, that that's not the most important thing. Uh, most important thing is just locking him down. 
Okay, well, I think we've rambled on enough. I think everyone is waiting for the moment of truth for Will Novak to show up and educate us on a little bit about Angelo's bachelor story, but also how he's parlayed that into uh, promoting his region. So without further ado, let's dial in, and I look forward to uh, chatting with him. All right, let's welcome our next guest all the way from Mesa, Arizona, Will Novak. Welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Great to have you on. So let's jump right into it. And we're going to ask you for the millionth one time, tell us the juicy uncensored details of what happened at Angelo Bach's bachelor party. Uh, so Angelo's bachelor party is a weird thing that happened to me about a year ago. It was in uh, February of 2019. I was at work at the city of Mesa in the economic development office. I'm getting ready to go home one day. And every day before I leave work, just as a habit, I always check my work email and I check my personal email so that I'm up to date on things. I'm a big inbox zero kind of guy. And I had this random email in my personal email that said, urgent, must reply, Angelo's bachelor party. And I thought to myself, who the heck is Angelo? I don't know anyone named Angelo. You know, I thought it was some sort of spam email, like one of those, you know, send the money to a Nigerian prince type of things. And I open up the email and it's got these crazy pictures of guys with mohawks and wearing wigs. And it's talking about this bachelor party that was coming up the following week in Vermont. And it was going to be this crazy time and people are going to drink all day and and party all night. And just it was going to be crazy and watch out your liver is going to explode and all these crazy details. And then at the bottom of the email, it said, but we haven't heard from a couple of the guys that still need RSVP. And I had a list of a couple names. And at the bottom of the list was my name, Will Novak. And then I realized, oh, these guys must have a friend who has the same name as me. And maybe we have a similar email address and it got to the wrong person all well. But instead of just ignoring it, I decided uh, that I would reply. So I replied back and just wrote this big email. And I said, F and count me in uh, to start. And then I wrote this whole silly email about we could stay up all night. We could talk about girls. We could paint our nails. We could play board games. And I just sort of treated it like it was a slumber party for, you know, middle school girls. And they thought that was great when they got that email. They thought that was really funny. And they were like, oh, you're obviously joking, but we're not joking. You need to get to Vermont next weekend. Come to the party. And so I kind of was thinking about it. And I asked my wife and she's like, oh, that seems fun. They seem nice. Go, go party with them. And I started to do the math and looked at flights and ski rentals and car rentals. And we realized it was going to cost close to $1,000, which is not, you know, a huge amount of money, but it's a lot when you've got, we just remodeled our house. At the time I had a, a 10 month old baby. And so, you know, they're not cheap. And, and so we were thinking about the cost and my wife was like, you can go, but I just, I'm worried about the money. And so my buddy Jeff said, well, put up a GoFundMe. I hear those things work. And I was like, Jeff, you're an idiot. That'll never work. And so just to prove that Jeff was an idiot, I put a GoFundMe up for, for the money for the trip. And then I sat down to dinner with my family. And by the end of dinner, the GoFundMe had more than doubled the amount that it needed to needed for the trip. Uh, so I kind of, at that point, went blackmailed myself. I said, okay, well, I've got the money. I got no excuses now. So uh, I decided to, to go on the trip. And then I left the GoFundMe open, actually. And it just kept getting more and more money. I think eventually we got up to like $5,000. And I was able to give, after I paid the tax on the GoFundMe and the and the all of my expenses, I was able to give the leftover money to Angelo and his soon-to-be bride as a, as a wedding gift. So that was nice. So, yeah. So then then I was off. That is super and, nice of you. Are you sure your wife was okay with you going to a random men's bachelor party? Oh, yeah. She was totally cool with it. My wife, one of the best things about her that made me fall in love with her is her sense of adventure. She's always always looks to say yes, always wants to have fun. Hey, let's go do something. If I say, hey, let's get in the car. We're driving out of town to drive to Disneyland today. She said yeah let's do it you know so she's got a wonderful sense of adventure and yeah it was it was 
it was crazy. It just started blowing up online and, and on the, on the GoFundMe. The, I think the thing that made it blow up is I, in addition to working in economic development, I've worked for local elect, elected officials and a couple of them retweeted it. Um, Ruben Gallego, who's the, uh, the congressman from my district in the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives, he retweeted it. And then some other politicians retweeted it. A senator from uh, Connecticut, I think it was, retweeted it. And then once all these politicians started retweeting the GoFundMe and laughing at it and saying how funny they thought it was, um, then of course the news media picked up on it. I started getting all these calls from the local news and the national news. And then uh, a lady who works for the Washington Post called me and interviewed and said, are you really going to go to this party? What if they murder you? And it was just bizarre to see a story about me going to a stranger's bachelor party in the Washington Post. You know, the same story that, or the same newspaper that took down Richard Nixon was talking to me. So it's pretty surreal. So what was the experience like going on Good Morning America? I'm personally a big New York Giants fan. I love Michael Strahan. What's he like in person? Tell me all about it. Oh, so that was after the, uh, I'm trying to remember the timeline. It's very hazy. We didn't sleep much during that weekend. <laughs> um, so, you know, we had partied all weekend long and, and had a really fun time. And then on Saturday night, I think it was, I somehow got this call. All these people got my number. I don't know how the heck they got my number. But yeah, I was from a producer of, of Good Morning America. And they said, hey, Monday is, you know, Martin Luther King Day, but we're still shooting. Do you guys want to drive down to Times Square and come on Good Morning America with uh, with Michael Strahan? And we said, of course. And it was great because Angela and all his friends, they're from Jersey uh, mostly. And they're all huge Giants fans. So Angela was so excited to meet uh, Michael Strahan. Actually, the day we were there, while we're waiting in the green room, that was the day that Kamala Harris announced on Good Morning America that she was running for president. So we saw her. Uh, Jackie Chan was on the show that day. So we got to meet Jackie Chan in the green room. Um, also in the green room was a lady. Oh, I'm blanking on her name but her title is the strongest mom in america she's a female bodybuilder and i arm wrestled her and she kicked my butt as you would expect <laughs> and so yeah she was really nice um so yeah so it was, it was a really fun time it's it's kind of crazy they just have you like in this big room and then you know they tell you you're going on and they kind of pre they kind of pre tell you what the questions are going to be and they have there's producers that help you think up how how you're going to say your answer because they have such limited time they really want to keep you on on tasks. They don't want to hear a rambling story like I'm doing now. And uh, so, yeah, the, so yeah, it's just, you go on and it happens and then it's done. And then you, they just open the door and you're walking around in Times Square freezing to death. And it's, it's, it's bizarre. I was following this whole story from the beginning and I was a big Will Novak fanboy. I was following you. I was one of the, your early followers on Twitter, following the whole story as it was going on uh, throughout the bachelor party. And I got a random email from you about a year ago asking for lead generation services for a medical device company. And then I think around 10 minutes into the call, I couldn't contain myself anymore. I'm like, tell me everything. Tell me everything about Angelo's bachelor party. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great to connect with you. And it was funny that it's funny whenever I send people emails now, like a cold email to a, you know, a company or just anyone, and they'll write back and they go, are you that same guy? Because clearly they, you know, they either had heard the story or they throw my name into Google. And when you throw my name into Google now, it's pretty obvious to see who I am. I've been at restaurants and waitresses are like, are you that bachelor party guy? And I'm like, oh, yep, that's me. Uh, so it's, it's, it's funny how far reaching it's been and, and how many people have heard about it. And it's a, you know, it's a story that I'll tell at, at cocktail parties for the rest of my life, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll keep getting asked about it. Um, do you think Angelo will be the only random bachelor party that you'll ever go to? Or do you feel there's a sequel, kind of like Hangover 2 or American Pie 2? I did get people from all over the world invited me to their bachelor parties. Um, well, these guys in Helsinki, Finland did. Some guys in New Zealand did. But again, the, the issue is like time off of work and costs. So I would message them back. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in, but I can't afford to go to Helsinki. And they'd be like, oh, okay, well. 
you know, have a nice life. Um, but not a bachelor party, but I did actually get an email from a guy named uh, Dan Schwab, who runs a company called DNH Distributing in Pennsylvania. And really nice guy. And he's like, your story is so funny. Me and my buddies, uh, we take this annual trip to, to London because we own a minor league soccer team in London called the Daggers, uh, the Dagenham and Red, Red Bridge Daggers. Would you like to come watch soccer with us? And I wrote him back. and I'm like, you know, I don't really know much about soccer, but it sounds fun. I, I, I'd love to be in on it. But again, I, you know, I'm a young dad. I work for the city government. I don't make a ton of money. Um, I don't really think it's in the cards for me financially. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. We on the team. We'll fly you out. And I was like, oh, in that case, sure. So I went on this trip to London last fall with these guys. And we went and watched the soccer. And we hung out in London and stayed at a really lovely hotel. And um, we went to a nightclub. And it was the craziest nightclub I've ever been to in London. It was truly bizarre. It was like a circus theme thing. And there's dancers that were whipping each other. It was very bizarre. But yeah, so now I made friends with this whole other group of guys that are these fans of this British soccer team that they own. And I still keep in touch with them and, and have a Dagenham and Redbridge jacket that I wear and might go on another trip with them next year. They're all super great guys. So it's, it's opened up a lot of opportunities. A lot of people have joked about, oh, maybe there should be a you could host a travel reality show where you just go to different people's bachelor parties or different parties and events. And I'm like, sure, I'm open to that. So who knows what the future holds? Yeah. If economic development doesn't work out, you could be <laughs> essentially a bachelor party escort. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe no, escort wasn't just, the best term, but you know yeah, I mean? escort, <laughs> escort in the U S maybe, uh, is a, I don't know what that means up North, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. And I think it's just, I think people, it's just sort of funny because I'm just so straight laced and don't don't drink and don't do drugs. Never have uh, pretty much an indoor kid like to play board games and play a lot of Nintendo. And uh, so then to go out in these crazy parties and be sort of the fish out of water is always sort of a, a funny experience. Now, your Twitter handle, Will Novak 13, some of the funniest tweets uh, the economic development profession has. Usually economic development tweets, very vanilla, very generic. Uh, I'll read one from just from May 24th. The good thing about all the beautiful people hitting up the bars and clubs before COVID is cured is once they're dead, I'm going to shoot up from four to a solid seven. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I'll be, I'll be attractive. Um, yeah. So I tried, uh, you know, I like, uh, how do I put it? In my twenties, I did, I actually did stand up. I traveled the country and I, I told jokes and I would sleep in my car and I would make like $50 at the Omaha funny bone. And I would have just enough money to drive from Omaha to St. Louis or whatever, and then make $40 there. They'd pay you in cheese curds. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'd, they'd put you up in a hotel room, but a lot of times not. And the goal was always to meet girls after the show and that they would take you back to their place. And then you'd have a place to stay. That never once happened. It was the goal. <laughs> so there was a lot of sleeping in my station wagon and, and driving around the countries and telling jokes. And so, you know, eventually I, I met a young lady and, and, got married and we've got a kid now and it's great, but I still kind of have a creative side and I like to joke around. And so, yeah, so Twitter is sort of my creative outlet and, and where I put all my dumb random thoughts, sometimes angry about the state of the world, but hopefully mostly lighthearted. And I, I try to always make myself the butt of the jokes, you know, um, I don't want to pick on anyone else or, or be a bully, but I, I enjoy the self-deprecating humor for sure. So many economic developers, Twitter accounts are very vanilla. They might promote their local chamber, uh, be very PG in their tw Twitter handles and be very conservative, but you're a little outside the grain where you don't care. You'll tweet whatever's on your mind, no matter when. Has the city of Mesa ever commented, ever tell you to tone it down or are they okay with you being yourself? <laughs> 
no, yeah, they're okay with me being myself, which is one of the things I really appreciate and really, really like about working there. And I think that's important for everybody. I mean, now you don't want to, if, if that's not who you are, you don't want to try and go on Twitter and, and be this like jokey person if that's not your personality. But I think sometimes people get a little too hung up on, oh, we got to be professional and, and they have all these ideas in their head of what that means. Part of economic development or the biggest part, it's it's relational. It's about meeting companies, about meeting other people and, and building a relationship with them. And you can only really build a relationship with people, I think, if you're honest and if you're yourself. So I always try and just be myself and let the cards fall where they may. That means some people are going to think I'm funny and, and witty and other people will think I'm loud and brash and obnoxious. But hey, you can't win them all. Exactly. You know, I've had a question after I, when I followed your story and I saw it in the news, as, as I remember saying at the time, I think this is the only time that, you know, economic development was, you know, was slightly embedded in the story, but it was there, you know, it shown a little bit of spotlight. Yeah. And I was really interested to know, did that kind of viral fame, if you will, that sort of online, you know, recognition that you got, did that sort of ring and, and sort of pay it forward for the city of Mesa? Did the brand recognition, would you say, did it in, in enhance or did they get more calls following this um reporting i don't know that you know i i, I can't say it, like led directly to a project or anything but certainly it got mesa a lot of clicks and views in a way that otherwise it wouldn't have gotten mesa is a for people who don't know it's a, the largest suburb of phoenix it's the third largest city in arizona five hundred thousand people and and historically was very much a bedroom community for Phoenix. And so uh, mostly it was just residential and then shopping and retail and things. And over the last 20, 30 years, the Office of Economic Development's really tried to get more of a diverse tax base and get more jobs and things. So that's what we, that's what we work on. And yeah, I think my story kind of helped give a different, more fun angle. You know, Mesa's just sort of known historically as this sleepy bedroom, fairly conservative community. So it was fun. And, um, I always, yeah, my bosses were very supportive. They're like, look, if the news media, if the national media wants to give you a call and you're at work, it's okay to take it just as long as you say city of Mesa. <laughs> so I would always, I would always try and worm that in there as much as I could. Um, and then of course we would read some of the stories that got written and they would say, he works for a suburb of Phoenix. And that would just drive my bosses crazy. There. <laughs> but you know, I can't control what the journalist writes, but um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was good for the city and, and the mayor got to, um, get interviewed by about it a couple times and um you know i ended up getting to meet jeff finkel the president of iedc because of it so i think in general my whole life philosophy is to be open to things open to new experiences open to new people because life is all about accruing stories and then having stories to tell your friends right that's what we're a social species we just want to sit around the campfire and tell stories to other cavemen right and so i like that sort of thing and i think just being open it, it's opened a lot of doors for me and helped me meet people that I otherwise wouldn't have met just because I was silly on an email. And that kind of leads me to my next question. I mean, you sort of utilized social media, you know, it wasn't intentional, but uh, it ended up, you know, helping in a way, you know, got the mayor interviewed. Do you think kind of utilizing it as, as a tool in economic development is kind of the future or the trajectory that, you know, where this industry might be heading to? I mean, I think we could argue a lot of EDOs are, are kind of a, have been traditionally a little more old school, a little more word of mouth. But now, as you know, we're going to see a shift of millennials starting to take up leadership roles. Do you think social media is going to play a more pivotal role in economic development? Yeah, I think for sure. And I, I think as long as you're yourself and your organization is just don't try to pretend to be something you're not, you know, that, and that doesn't, again, it doesn't mean you need to go out and be brash or anything, but 
to be honest and, and, and really kind of present a, a true face of what your region is like, I think is important. I think the other thing is, you know, economic or, or social media, I should say, has sort of flattened the world in a lot of ways. Like I can just go on Twitter now and oftentimes just DM a celebrity or at least tweet at them. And the same thing is true for the CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company. It used to be 20, 30 years ago, it was hard to get to these people. Now I, I read a story or hear that a company's looking to move. I can just go on Twitter and say, you know, shoot them a DM and say, hey, give me a call. Here's my number. And so it's, it's, it's made things a lot more uh casual and easy to approach and then they can get to you know they can scroll through your timeline and get to know who you are get to know who your organization is pretty quickly and so i, I think that's something that people should be mindful of for sure well you kind of segued into my next question which was do you have advice for you know the the up rising social media marketers of economic development i, I think you've touched upon that you know you've got to find a voice and, and make it your own uh, and obviously yeah. parlay that with the, the brand or the you know the what they're trying to convey for the region uh is there any other tips you might be want to show uh or give out there or some maybe hard do not do don't uh, do not do's i mean the, you know i think it's important to not uh, I've seen some EDO and chamber accounts and it's literally every tweet is just an announcement tweet, which is great. Hey, you know, such and such company is expanding. Another company moved here. That's wonderful. But if you're, if it's just, you know, every once or two weeks and it's not very much content, you need to be regular about it. You know, try to be on there at least every other day saying something. And it doesn't always need to be an announcement of some exciting news or that gets a little stale, even if it is exciting, it's just, you know, you need to be giving and taking, replying to your followers and, and engaging. It can't just be a one way. I get Twitter isn't a billboard, right? You're not just putting something on a billboard and saying, uh, you know, XYZ Corporation is moving here and creating 200 new jobs. That's great. But what does that mean for the people that already live in your community? And why should they be excited? I think sometimes we forget, like, we're so in it. And we a lot of us have gone to college and gotten degrees in public policy and these other fields. And like, we understand why that's exciting or meaningful, but for your average Joe Schmo that's got to get their kids to soccer practice and do 800,000 things in their day, why should they care that, you know, they might even think of it as a negative. Oh, great. Another company's going to move here and cause traffic or, you know, whatever. So you got to kind of make sure that you're explaining what, why these, why we're so excited about these sort of things. Well, well, I really appreciate you coming on here and kind of uh, giving us, you know, the story, I'm sure, for the millionth time on, on Angela. No, but, also, yeah, but also showing how it kind of led to using social media in economic development and also great advice. I mean, you know, we are a company that have been trying to grow our own LinkedIn page or Twitter. And I find the most the hardest thing for us to do is to get that engagement, which you spoke of. You know, we do a lot of posting ourselves. And, you know, sometimes I ask the question that it's hard to get bites. And I, I think that's something worth exploring. I, I I would love to find out who's doing any kind of quick courses. Maybe you should consider that for EDM. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Business idea. I would like to trademark that. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we really appreciate your time. And is there anything you want to let any of followers know about your community, how they can follow you or learn more information? Uh, here's your uh, five seconds to plug. No. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at, at Will Novak. 1313 on Twitter. And then uh, the city I work for is the city of Mesa, Arizona. And we're at Mesa Econ Dev on Twitter. And um, yeah, so like I said, Mesa is uh, 500,000 people. It's the 36th biggest city in the United States, has a strong history in uh, aerospace, um, uh, some medical device manufacturing, things like that. Uh, highly educated workforce, lots of folks, low traffic, low cost of doing business. Uh, so yeah, shoot us, a, shoot us a DM on Twitter if you are looking to come out west. 
Thank you so much, Will. Thanks, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 